Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Do not attempt to adjust your device. This is Extreme Freedom Audio Bulletin. It cannot be traced, it cannot be stopped, and it is the only free voice left in the geek revolution. And welcome to another episode of We Be Geeks. <clears throat> it is Derek, Brett, and myself, Mike. Uh, of course, I'm still the voiceless, voiceless wonder. <laughs> still recovering from all this. Do you drink more whiskey? Need you something. Well, you sure couldn't drink less. <laughs> uh, Sorry. But I'm Wait, Derek, you're on it tonight. I am on a roll. <laughs> you're, you're like butter. You're on a roll. I am like butter. <laughs> like butter. So, um, another crazy week. Short show last week, only because we, I think all our stories were kind of short. See what happens this week. Uh, it's, it's, it's odd. Not a, I mean, quite a bit of stories, but just not a lot of meat to the stories out there this week or this year so far. Yeah, I'm sure I'll start picking up once they start getting closer to the. Ragnarok and Black Panther thing coming out. Well, Super Bowl. I mean, uh, yeah. See what oh, happens Infinity. with the Super Bowl and the Infinity War. Yeah, Not Ragnarok. Well, supposedly uh, we we called it over on Wookie Radio, and it came and came and went, and there was no Han Solo trailer on the fifteenth. But they're still saying yeah. it's going to happen before the end of the month. But it's sure. not going to happen with the Super Bowl. I'm starting to think there isn't going to be a trailer. Lies, <laughs> all lies. Well, we have a synopsis, which we'll talk about over on Wookie Radio, but that was enough to, to piss off a lot of fans and go, oh, you could give us a synopsis, but you can't give us a trailer. Anyway, um, how about this to start us off? Lindsay Lohan still is continuing her pursuit of the Batgirl role. Seriously? You know, the more I think about this... The more I'm thinking it's not that crazy of an idea. I haven't heard her in the news or anything lately. Run over people with her car. Yeah, but I would think at this point in time, for the way for the way Batgirl is being set in the comics, she's too old. Yeah. And Plus, what's the last good movie of hers that you can think of? Herbie. Oh, and Mean Girls. <laughs> <laughs> no, I said movie. Herbie. <laughs> No, I said good movie. <laughs> uh, her news footage of her in jail? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll allow it. Well, um, news of... Which I new- want thinking it'd be a good idea because I've got a picture of her from Mean Girls, which would have been the appropriate age back then. Yeah. Uh, news of DCU's Batgirl movie has gone quiet, but the film has Lindsay Lohan to thank for putting it back in the headlines. Uh, Lohan is still serious about wanting the Batgirl role and is still campaigning on social media. Though Justice League came out as a disappointment for a lot of fans. Really? You thought the movie was going to be better than it was? <laughs> Have you learned? Thing? Three words. Batman, hearts, Superman. Um, Joss Whedon is still attached to direct the film. We don't know what the progress on the movie is, but with a new with new DC head Walter Hamada in charge, the film could be pushed forward soon. As of now, the only DCEU film coming out this year is Aquaman. 
Though Lohan is a far cry from the star that she once was, no, duh. Um, I don't blame her for wanting to make a comeback with a, with superhero films. Robert Downey Jr. basically gone the same direction with his problems, but found a rejuvenation with his career after he got cast as Iron Man. Big difference. Yeah. Tony Stark and Robert Downey Jr., almost same career pass. So very appropriate move, very... Very strong, very smart move by Marvel at that time. Um, the only other person maybe they could have gone with would have been Johnny Depp, and thank God they didn't. Right. Imagine Keith Richards playing uh, Iron Man. <laughs> Keith Richards playing, uh, oh, what's his name from Iron Man 3? Mandarin? Yes. <laughs> that was the biggest disappointment of any Marvel movie. Yes. Yeah. And- Iron Man three the was horrible. Is, the sad thing is, I like I like what they I like what they did with the whole um, having a fake guy play the Mandarin stuff. I just don't like that it was for the Mandarin. Right, you're taking Iron Man's biggest baddie and making him a joke. But but I love I love the I love the one shot that came out I guess for the DVD where the fake Mandarin's in jail and gets called out by the real Mandarin, and yet we still right. don't see him. Oh wow! Yeah, the Marvel one shots are amazing. Like the Agent Carter one shot, the uh, Agent Coulson going, you know, being in the convenience store on his way to the hammer. Uh, some of the one shots that came out, they might be on YouTube. Uh, just type in Marvel one shots, hmm. see if they show up there. Um, really extras on DVD. Yeah, they were they were extras on DVDs, DVDs, huh. Blu-rays. So the story that we've been paraphrasing or Loosely quoting, um, it's coming from Epic Stream, and the the author continues on with, from my perspective, this is the author speaking, <clears throat> I think the chances of Lohan playing Batgirl are pretty slim. No, duh. It is said that Whedon won a fresh face in the role, and I think Lohan's history will hinder her of playing the straight-laced Barbara Gordon. Personally, I think it would be better to have her play the antagonist or a villain instead of a hero. Maybe she could play Star Sapphire or Black Canary. No release date has been announced for Batgirl. Black Canary would be interesting. Uh, I don't see her as Black Canary. No. But What's you want to add? I can't see her as Starfire either. Um, who, whoever, whoever you have playing Hal Jordan's girlfriend in the upcoming um Green Lantern movie, if we get Hal Jordan in that, should be playing Star Sapphire, mm-hmm. since that's the natural progression. Mm-hmm. But I could see Lindsay Lohan as Huntress. Mm-hmm. Interesting. She's, just, she's not, like, Italian, though. Doesn't have that look. Just at this point in time, I'm not worried about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, she, she's got the attitude. Yeah. Now, if she really wants to push, she's, she's of the right age where she could pull off a Huntress-type character fairly easy. Yeah. So I, I'd be okay with Huntress, um, unless you want to go super crazy and make her killer moth, <laughs> and just do a do a gender bend with a killer moth, which I'm that's a character I wouldn't be that opposed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that could work, I suppose. I mean, there there are some characters. Yes, let's gender bend. If we can race bend some, let's gender bend some. I think killer moth can be a good gender bend, and let's make Lindsay Lohan killer moth. That could work, maybe. That's a deep cut. What's that? 
That's a, that's a deep cut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> I think many people know who that was. Well, Killer Moth is, I think, making a comeback in the Legos, in the new oh. Lego Batman minifig series. I know they're going to have Zan Jaina, uh, Comanche Chief. It's all part of it. Really? Yeah. Oh, now i got to look it up. <laughs> See if I can find the list. Minifigs from... Uh, you had the possibility in the minifig... Yep, okay. Yes, this is minifig series two for Batman... For the Lego Batman movie. You have Swimsuit Batman, Vacation Robin, Vacation Joker, Disco Harley Quinn, Vacation Alfred Pennyworth, Vacation Batgirl... Dr. Phosphorus, Clock King, Mermaid Batman, Killer Moth, Jor-El, General Zod, Apache Chief, Bat Merch, Batgirl, Hugo Strange, Disco Alfred Pennyworth, Black Canary, Black Vulcan, Wonder Twin Zan, and Wonder Twin Jaina. Oh. So, I, Black Canary definitely is from the uh, Super Friends set. Black Vulcan, Apache Chief, Zan and Jaina, of course, are also from... From that, and of course, you got killer. Like I said, killer moth. So, I have King Tut. I don't know where King Tut went. He was on my desk, but I've got King Tut, which is from the first series. Where did he go? Oh, he's up here somewhere. But no, Tut's Tut's kind of cool. I like the Tut. Uh, of course, that was a nod to the to the TV series. So yeah, I don't know where he went. One of these days, I'll clean up this desk. <laughs> anyway, so. Uh, yeah, I th- I think we got some alternate options for for Lindsay Lohan. Fire Girl is not it, even though she is a natural redhead. We think. Um, I I don't I don't foresee. Um, I don't foresee her being the the way to go. No, no definitely not. Nope. So, um, but so you yeah. got to give her credit for trying. Oh yeah, definitely got to give her credit for trying, but it's not. <laughs> Not who I, I would suspect that we would have. Mm. So, um, so we get, uh, so I guess let's move on. Uh, talk about more movie news. Yeah, we're going with Flash this time. There's news at Flashpoint, uh, to be directed by Spider Man Homecoming screenwriters. This is from geekexchange.com, and directors John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein are in talks to direct Ezra Miller and WB's standalone DC film. And this is a movie about DC's standalone movie, um, standing around the story inspired by the 2011 comic crossover story in which Barry Allen wakes up in an alternate universe and kicked off the new 52 Daly and Goldstein are best known for big comedies like the reboot of Vacation, writing for the Horrible Bosses movie, and the incredible Burt Wonderstone. (laughs) I thought you said the Horrible Bosses movie. (laughs) I was like, was it that bad? Yeah. So it falls to Francis and Daly and Goldstein, who also wrote the script to Spider-Man Homecoming, that were once in line to direct it, and they did a good job with balancing humor and um, action, So, and they had a good understanding of what made the comic book character tick, so hopefully they can do something with the new Flash movie, which I don't have high hopes for. It's, and it's an odd choice to do Flash as the first Flash movie. Yeah. Right. It's like, you're, you're already... I mean, we've already heard that, yes, they're pretty, almost pretty much calling it quits on the DCEU. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so we're going to do The Flash. 
and go ahead and reboot everything. Yeah, but I guess according to Variety, Ben Affleck was originally being courted. I think he was being courted for all the DC movies at one time or another. Yeah, no problem. Phil Lord and Chris Miller were originally hired to write the treatment with the hope that they would direct the film. They passed. Then Seth Graham Smith was also brought on board to write and direct, but left the project. <laughs> and due to creative differences in 2016, the next person to be in line for the movie was dope director Rick Famuwea. The filming was set to begin early in 2017, but more creative differences resulted in him leaving. No way, not creative differences. And Robert Zemeckis also turned down the movie. <laughs> Hence, this is why we call this movie The Flush. I think that one's going to clog the toilet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no date's been set for Flashpoint, but Warner's next DC movie to hit theaters is Aquaman, like we were mentioning before in December. Yep. Oh, boy. Followed by Shazam in 2019. If we get that far. Yeah. Actually, it is kind of surprising that Aquaman's the only DC movie coming out this year. It's probably probably safer that way. Maybe, but because you you go Justice League that came out in November of 2017 all the way till December of this year for the next movie. Yeah. That's a long, that's a lot of space between those films. Yeah, it is. You need folks in the movie. You would think they would have learned. (laughs) Nope. They've already got built an audience. Yep. So, um, anything else about Flashpoint? Um, That's pretty much it, right? Yeah. Well, we couldn't stretch that out. Maybe we could stretch this next story out. Oh, I like that. That was a good one. Ah. Nice. Ah. See what what happens when I have no voice. (laughs) (laughs) So, big things are coming to the Flash, I guess you could say. Uh, That's a stretch. <laughs> so next week, the episode is going to be titled "The Elongated Night Rises," and it's supposed to focus on Ralph Dibney. So it looks like Ralph is finally going to get himself a superhero, special superhero name, and a cost, unlike the uh, that very weird, oh, that's so horrible suit <laughs> thing that he's currently wearing. That's just really weird and creepy. <laughs> so, uh, yes, nope. Uh, what? So, hey, hey, uh, don't uh, run you away from your feelings. Uh, so, um, there have been some images released, uh, promo image from the episode, uh, a little bit of Ralph's doom, uh, and they have that goofy, he gets a, uh, another almost a bad type. You're, you're starting to drift there. Yeah. Wow! Wow! That was really weird. It is the cold. It must be the cold weather. Must be the cold weather. That's for myself like five million times. So, so let's try it again. Let's try it again, Derek. All right, right. I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm hearing the echo too, but I'm not. I can't tell if it's repeating. I'm not hearing echo. All right. Well, I, I think we're echo free now. All right. Can you hear me? Hear you now. 
All right. This, so, this, we record this live, and and what I mean, what we hear camera? is what you get. <laughs> <laughs> Where was I? Anyway, so, yes, the elongated man's costume. Uh, so he's wearing, like, a type of uh, domino mask. Well, not really. It's more like, I don't know, it looks, in the picture it looks like sunglasses, but I can't quite tell. And uh, he's got a dark suit, kind of uh, looks maroonish, with a couple of gray stripes on it. Not a bad look overall, I think. Not not like the comics, but I I guess really his comic book costume wouldn't translate well with the purple and gray. Or his original red and black. Yeah. That one might be a little better, but actually I think it was purple and white. But anyway, um, so finally we're going to see the elongated man instead of just Ralph Dibney. Uh, and it looks like he's going to get his name in a suit just in time because next week he's supposed to, looks like he's going to be going up against the trickster played by Devin Gray Ooh. and uh, and his sidekick prank played by Corinne Borer 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 uh what she and said. it appears <laughs> and it appears that Vibe and Killer Frost are being held hostage and it looks like he's going to be uh rescuing them perhaps so that'll be on uh, next week's episode, uh, next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Yeah, I so think he's going to start with that, though, because I saw the previews. I just watched it tonight, and it looks mm-hmm. like he's off with his gray costume. So, <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe something happens to the gray costume. We can only hope. But uh, I won't, so I wonder if he's going to start having like an even, an even more prominent role in the show. Well, now it's going to become an official superhero. If there's potentially talk that Wally West, uh, since we talked about this last week, might be going over to, to Legends. Right. That does leave a, a hole open. Who better to fill that hole than a man who can stretch himself into any sheep? I love what he did with his finger with the key to get in the door. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> I'm glad you said that instead of something else. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it clean. <laughs> so, uh, well, Black Lightning also premiered this last Tuesday and is is the biggest premiere CW has had in two years. Uh, this is coming from uh, Screen Rant. Um, the CW continues to strike while the iron's hot. Over the last several years, the network has brought four shows of DC to the small screen, uh, creating the quote-unquote Arrowverse made up of Arrow, Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, and Supergirl. Um, now they have just debuted their fifth show on Tuesday, uh, Black Lightning, which, as we talked about last week, is currently not part of the Arrowverse. Mm-hmm. Um, anticipation for Black Lightning was high going into the premiere as it adds more diversity to the CW lineup. And thanks to the show's cast and promotional materials, uh, starring Cress Williams, the Black Lightning promos promised some solid family drama to go along with slick superhero action. The pilot delivered on all the promises of the marketing campaign and earned some solid ratings for its effort. Now, Variety is reporting that Black Lightning debuted um, sporting a .8 rating in the 18 to 49 demo with 2.3 million viewers. Uh, Black Lightning was also on par with Riverdale's noteworthy debut last year. Uh, these numbers should only rise once DVR and on-demand views are accounted for. Uh, the fact that Black Lightning could debut on par with Riverdale is impressive and should bode well for the show's long-term future. 
As long as Black Lightning continues to hold steady or even improve, it should have no trouble continuing. Once the CW knows they'll be around longer, then conversations about Black Lightning crossing over to the Arrowverse could start up. I think we talked about that last week, that they're, they're not saying it's not taking place in the same realm the same plane or whatever you want to call it as the Arrowverse. It's just right now it's not gonna be a part of the Arrowverse. Right. Have you have uh either of you guys watched Black Lightning? Not yeah. yet. It's on the D V R need to watch it. Yeah, me too. I have it on the D V R but I haven't watched it yet. I totally forgot it started up this week. Mm-hmm. So um but it is there. I'll probably have it watched by next week. I forgot it was starting up too, and then uh, I think I saw a commercial for it at one point, <laughs> and I and I, I was sitting there. My wife and I were watching TV, and I said, "Give me the remote quick! I have to set up the, the DVR." <laughs> she was like, "What's going on?" The lightning of black is back. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to checking it out, though. Yeah, I, I am too. I'm curious to see what it's going to be like. So um, now we got some news from Mark Mark Miller. Um, this comes from CBR.com. It appears he wants Thor Ragnarok's Tessa Thompson to play the new Kick-Ass. Mm, interesting. We thought he out January 17th, but I'd like as the new Kick-Ass. To be honest, one choice may jump in that. Millar's choice may come as a surprise to fans kick-ass films. She's played by a male, and the volume of the comics wrapped up in kick-ass would be black, a woman, and Edward Thompson as of Korean or Iraq, and she also was rolling 2015's Creed. She's trying a more dramatic It's not so clear how Thompson would fit into the film series' ongoing story, but a reboot is also Okay. Now we're losing your audio, Brett. Um, it is a crazy night. It's just, it's got to be the weather coming through the country that's that's just messing with everything. Because <laughs> I I don't think we've ever had this many problems recently. No. So it, it, it's so. A, it, it's one of those strange strange crazy nights. I hear from uh, is it like an ad or something or what is it? No, it's like all of a sudden you're there and then we we see you talking and you drift away. Oh. <laughs> so it's it's got to be. It's, it's got to be the internets, our different signals. Yeah. So, frozen ground makes things harder to transfer. <laughs> so, um, I I have no problems with uh, Kick-Ass becoming a female. No. No. I'm cool with it. So, I really liked her Valkyrie and uh, Thor, too, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She was awesome. Yeah. So, I could definitely see her do, doing a good job. So. She chops. So this would be for for a relaunch of a of a movie. They're saying they're not sure how where they're going to go either a uh, reboot or, or they're not sure how they're going to go because well he he left him with uh, Dave Lazuski. Well, Netflix, they, Netflix does own the uh, the rights to the Millerverse, so it could be a could be a, a series on Netflix. Yeah, and it could be they could do it as a, like she was inspired by the original, or yeah, yeah. But it looks like it is going to be a film now. Well, apparently there was related that uh, Miller wants to reboot Kick Ass again in five years. So that was a related story, um, especially since he's changed. I guess in the comics, changed it over, changed Kick Ass over to a black female military vet. So that that could be why we're slowly going the direction we're going 
with the new movie. So I say do it sooner than later if if we're going to do it. So, um, but coming to the upcoming Disney FX channel. <laughs> well, every time you make me chuckle. Well, considering uh, this week or next week, Spike TV becomes Paramount t- Paramount Television. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's interesting. Yep. That would so, be interesting to see what changes come from that. Yeah. So, but on FX, uh, we have we have some interesting news on a, on a show that many fans have been waiting on. Uh, why? No, why the last man? <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> um, so FX is working on Why the Last Man. And it uh, looks like uh, they're thinking about uh, having Michael Green in in the in the in the show. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's one. It's one of those nights. Yeah. Uh, so so uh, Green would be set to serve as a showrunner on the show. And during the most recent television contribution winter press event, the CEO of FX, John Landgraf, uh, gave TV Guide a status update saying, we feel pretty optimistic, not quite at a final decision point, but we got a script I really like, a draft we really like recently. Michael is available because he's not involved in American Gods anymore. So uh, the fact that he was able to offer some public acknowledgement is hope that uh, it'll be a good sign for Why the Last Man, uh, which I'm very excited for because I really want to see this show. I love Why the Last Man. It was a great book. Uh, it won three Eisner Awards, one of the most critically acclaimed best-selling comics of the last decade, uh, written by Brian K. Vaughn with art by Pia Guerra. Uh, Why the Last Man is a saga of Yorick Brown, the only human survivor of a planet-wide plague that kills every mammal possessing a Y chromosome. All right. Accompanied by a mysterious government agent, a brilliant young geneticist, and his pet monkey, Ampersand, Yorick travels the world in search <laughs> of his love and the answer to why he's the last man on Earth. And I, I've been waiting ever since the first time I heard an announcement that this was going to be a show. I've been waiting for this to come out. Yeah, it's going to be good. I'm so excited for this one. Mm-hmm. So FX, don't screw it up. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens. Hopefully, they don't screw it up. Um, I think they'd have to try really hard to screw it up. But it's a pretty good story. Yeah, I've I've always enjoyed it. Uh, the times I've read it, I, I think it's been been pretty. I still need shit though. What? I still need to finish it. I got like the first two or three trades. I need to finish it up the story. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I've finished all of it yet. I might have to go back and re- reread some of it. It's just it's a great concept. It's, it's really well. Right. It works beautiful. Now, here's where I think Sony is screwing things up. Mm-hmm. Now, now this is all confused. Again, coming from CBR.com. Uh, Spider-Man's Homecoming's Tom Holland reportedly spotted on the set of Venom. Ah, now um, he he he's appearing in the movie, supposedly spotted on set as Peter Parker, not Spider-Man. Uh, mm. According to an episode of Collider Heroes, um, 
Tom Holland was on set filming scenes on Venom for at least two days as Peter Parker. He went on to clarify that I am not Spider-Man in the film. When I say Tom Holland Spider-Man is in the film, I'm saying Peter Parker is in the film. Okay, but Venom's not part of the MCU. So why do we have Tom Holland, Peter Parker, in Venom if it's not MCU? Maybe because Um, they're hoping that they... Because Sony was supposedly going to be taking Spider-Man back after the next film, right? Right. There's supposedly only supposed to be two Spider-Man films and Sony was going back. And then then Sony was taking over. Stupid mistake. Mm. It is. And then this, they're doing, so they're doing Venom and the uh, Silver and Black, um, Black Cat Silver Sable, Sable movie. Right. Without, without Spider-Man. And it seems like they're hoping to establish these characters and build them up so that when they, you know, if they take Spider-Man back, he'll already have these right. characters established. Now, John Schnepp. Schnepp. Uh, Schnepp like schnapps. Uh, Schnepp's clarification follows yesterday's report in which he said, all I'm saying is that Spider-Man, and I'm talking about Tom Holland's Spider-Man, is going to be in Venom. This new claim does provide a little bit of clarification regarding the young actor's involvement in the Spider-Man spinoff flick. If Holland does indeed show his face in Venom, then it begs the, the huge question... Does the film actually exist inside of the MCU? Uh, that, you know, of course, this is the conundrum that's been going ongoing since the movie was announced. Sony, for his part, has teased a meeting between Spider-Man and his symbiote-infected enemy at some point, though it was believed that would occur in a non-R-rated film somewhere down the road. Previously, Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige went so far as to state flat out that no, Spider-Man will not be involved in the Venom film when asked about it in late 2017. So Holland's involvement comes as something of a surprise. It, it, a big surprise. Very because big surprise. Last we knew, it was not going to be a part of the same universe, which is why I have such... why I'm confused and have such an issue with these two movies, because... I mean, you could do Venom as, like, kind of a... You could do Venom as its own thing and maybe take, like, a horror angle or something. Right. But who who's going to want to see a Black Cat Silver Sable movie without Spider-Man in it? That's what... I mean, it's, it's weird. I don't, I don't get the... Uh, I don't understand the direction they're going for here. I don't either. I, I, I don't either. And I wonder if they think something's going to happen that's not going to end up happening. Like, you know, all the fans will be like, oh, these movies were great. And no, who needs Spider-Man? It's That's not going to happen. No. Nobody even likes, nobody even knows about these characters without Spider-Man. Exactly. So it's like, why would people go to see the movie? Right. I mean, like I said, if they did, like, they could do like a, they could make Venom like a creepy kind of, movie about the symbiote and stuff and people might go thinking it's like a horror movie and not realize it's you know a comic book movie but see i'm not too thrilled about new mutants being a horror film i don't know i'm kind of interested in it because it's a different take on things yeah they showed the trailer uh when i went and saw thor ragnarok again this weekend Looks good. oh really yeah. well speaking of trailers and speaking of seeing things again 
Um, my, I was surprised to see that um, the Gifted had their season finale. I know. I was surprised too. All right. Really? I didn't see that they got season two, though. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, but I would have thought since they were so strong on a, on a season one, you know why why are they cutting cutting it so short? I know it's only twelve episodes. Yeah, so they did ten before the holidays, and then come back do essentially well nine before the holidays, and essentially do three more since this last one was a was a uh, two hour two hour finale. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, uh, really? Done that quick? And when, it, when I watched it the other night, and then when it got to the end, and it was like, oh, we'll see you in season two coming soon. I'm like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> I'm glad I'm behind on it, so I got a little longer to, to savor it. Yeah. That's been good. I really like yeah. it. it. I will say that the the two two part or two hour season uh, season finale there was really interesting. Uh, it, it kind of uh, it went in an interesting direction. I'm mm-hmm. trying not to to say too much. It's going to spoil it for you, but I think you're gonna. I think you might be a little surprised in a good way. Nice. Awesome. And it make the things it set up for season two is going to make season two very interesting. I think whenever that happens, <laughs> right? Well, we, we've been talking a little bit about uh, the Flash movies, of course. Lindsay Lohan with uh, wanting to be Batgirl. Let's you know we've talked in the past a little bit too about the upcoming Batman movie. Is it going to have Ben Affleck? Is it not going to have Ben Affleck? Is it part of the DCEU? Is it not part of? Um, which Batman series that's been out so far been your favorites? It's got to be the Nolans. Yeah, yeah, I would. That's what I would go with. See, I would, I would go with the first two of the. I would go with the Tim Burton movies and call those their own, and then the Brockheimer movies their own. You mean the Schumacher or Schumachers, uh, and call those their own. Uh, I liked I liked the the Burton films. I liked the first Batman; it was great. The second one was okay. But I, I would I would love to have seen Burton take on the Riddler. Yeah, but I kind of feel like those films are a little dated now too. Yeah, yeah. Well, how about fifteen things wrong about the Christopher Nolan Batman films? <laughs> um, to start off, the villains. While the Joker made the Dark Knight iconic, uh, of course, this is a courtesy of CBR.com. Man, we're giving them lots of plugs tonight. Um, Heath Ledger's Joker was iconic, but uh, Bane, that's all I'm going to say. Bane was horrible. Well, I disagree with that. I don't think he was horrible. I think the Bane in in uh, Batman and Robin was horrible. and I think That was Bane, campy, the- yeah. That was that was beyond campy. That was ridiculous, and I think this. I think the Nolan Bane was was not done quite correctly, but it's still better than that bat than that Bane. <laughs> well, at least right. that Bane was at least semi on target. That oh yeah, he's a Mexican luchador, sorta. But that Bane was so bad. The Batman sixty six TV series said, "Hell no." <laughs> Um, yeah, that worse than anything in that, that now be in the teeth show. Now, Jonathan Crane, aka the Scarecrow, was great in the first film, 
but got overshadowed yep. a lot by Raja Gul slash Liam Neeson's character. Yeah. Who ended up being Raja Gul, which I'm sitting there going, he's the real Raja, not this Asian guy. He's the real. And people go, oh, no, no, no. And then, of course, the end of the film is like, told you. Thank you. <laughs> I think um, they really reached. I mean, when you, they compared with the villains in the, the other movies. Yeah. Now, uh, number 14, Batman's costume. Uh, aside from heroes like Superman, Spider-Man, Batman in his bat suit is one of the most recognizable fictional characters on the planet. His suit is perfect, and only in rare and precise instances does it ever need to be altered. Uh, Nolan's bat suit is very problematic. It's essentially a bunch of disjointed pieces fit together haphazardly. There's no elegance or beauty to its design. It just looks cheap. Yeah, I disagree with that as well. Because, um, first, <laughs> first of all, there's been all kinds of different variations on the bat suit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, he's worn gray and blue. He's worn black and yellow. He's worn, you know. I mean, if we want to talk about bad bat suits, Adam West. <laughs> <laughs> okay, George Clooney. Yeah, George Clooney's bat nipply suit. Yeah, uh, that geez. is horrible. Yeah, yeah. Um, now they say the the bat cape also suffers. It does nothing for him in the movie. Oh, wait a second. No, it helps him glide. They talk about how yeah. What that's what. To me, I thought that was a bonus and something we should have seen in the in the quadology. Mm. You know, is is a better cape that helps him glide. Um, yeah. Now, number thirteen, the Batmobile. I'm sorry, I like the tumbler. Yeah, I, I thought too. The, I thought the tumbler was a modern, was a good modern version of the Batmobile. Definitely, especially if it's coming from Wayne Tech. Yeah, and it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm not going to go too much further with that. Number twelve, Robin. Uh, yeah, <laughs> played by uh, oh, what's his name? Josh Gordon Lovitz, Joseph Gordon Lovitz. Yeah, um, three names. <laughs> Mister Three Names. Yeah. Um, you know, Nolan could have planted Robin in his grittier world. Uh, we see the logo at the football stadium in the in the third film in, mm. in Dark Knight Rises. Um, I was like, oh, could this be where Robin gets his logo from? But we don't get Robin. And uh, instead, we get John Blake. Instead, we get John Blake, who oh, he uncovers who Batman really is. Mm. So, and then Bruce gives him to the keys to the cave, and Blake Blake's name of Robin was revealed. Being it was that, yeah, it it was stated that his real name was oh yeah was Robin, like John Robin, something like that, something like that, yeah. So basically, a throwaway reference. But we know John Blake, quote-unquote, is not becoming Robin. He's going to become the new Batman. Uh, Bruce Wayne's personality. Mm. Uh, I, I will admit, I wasn't too thrilled on, on the Bruce Wayne role or the the character of Bruce Wayne in, in these films. It was I liked the Batman character more than I did the Bruce Wayne character. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, number 10, Alfred. Um Michael Caine assumed the role in the trilogy, um, whereas he was reduced to more of a nagging old man than he was a butler. <clears throat> Though his heart was in the right place, he served as an obstinate roadblock on more than one occasion. Have well, they read the comics? I was I say, right. yeah. Number nine, Batman's voice, which my voice is shot enough right now. I might be able to pull something. Where's Batman? Where's Bane? Seems like this is the real voice of Bruce Wayne. 
And Bruce Wayne's voice was really the fake voice. Oh, God, that hurt. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, 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 crazy about the voice either, but... I mean, I think Keaton did the better job of going from Wayne to Batman. Mm-hmm. I think he had the best transition. And, and his voice wasn't that drastically different. Mm-hmm. Instead of going <clears throat> with the complete complete growl, I think Keaton was more like, Hi, I'm Bruce Wayne. All right, mm-hmm. where's ba- I'm Batman. Where's the villain? Mm-hmm. I mean, he just deepened it some, maybe added a little gruff just to, to sound more intimidating. Whereas... Christian Bale was completely it was complete night and day. But then you had George I, I Clooney just, who just didn't had, uh, give a care. <laughs> I like that the the Nolan movies have the same person playing Batman throughout. I just hated all the different actors playing Batman and just well, yeah, uh, I was and off putting. Keaton Keaton would have if they kept Burton. Mm-hmm. But that was the problem. The studios didn't want to bring Burton back. They wanted to change it up and, and go with uh um, Schumacher, and by doing so, Keaton Keaton said, "Fine, you want me back? It's going to cost you this much." Basically, pricing purposely pricing himself out of the role, and and it worked because he he was going to stay loyal to to Burton. Mm. So, I mean, Burton Burton's third film was was going to be semi interesting. One, you're going to have Marlon Wayans as Robin or slash Nightwing. That, that Marlon and yeah. Mm. I, yeah. I haven't seen some of the test shots. It wouldn't have been... I mean, he didn't look too bad in the costume. I, I think he could have pulled it off fairly well, especially with Michael Keaton. Mm. Guess we'll never know. We we will never know. Um, and, I, and I think this is where they were talking about potentially, too, of um, Robin Williams being tied into the Batman-verse as, as potentially um, Riddler. Which I still mm-hmm. think he would have made a much better Mad ha- Mad Hatter than than Riddler. Yeah, yeah, that I would like to see. So, um, so to continue on, number eight, Commissioner Gordon. Mm, um, I just- in the comic books, Gordon is an amazing detective. He doesn't always get the spotlight since Batman is the primary hero. But there's a reason why the Dark Knight respects Gordon so highly. The grizzled detective has endured some of the worst Gotham has had to offer. And just like Batman managed to come out on top, uh, we we see him introduced as a beat cop and graduate to commissioner by the end of the trilogy. Still, the central problem remained. He wasn't a great policeman. He failed to take out the corrupt officers in his department. And the silliest thing of all was by the end of the final movie, every main character knew Bruce was Batman and Gordon was the last one to find out. <laughs> Uh, number seven, they say the fight sequences. Um, they're saying, uh, when it comes to Batman, the first thing that pops in people's mind, aside from being incredibly intelligent, was his physical proudness. Batman is one of the greatest fighters in the DC Comics universe. Hardly anyone could hope to defeat him in a hand-to-hand confrontation. On the other hand, in the Dark Knight trilogy, Batman had to rely uncomfortably on his gadgets rather than his fighting skills. I can see that. Sure, Batman uses gadgets in the comics, but he doesn't need them. But it seems seems to rely on him heavily in the Nolan in the Nolan movies. So, um, I I kind of see that. Uh, number six, Nightfall. When it was announced Bane would be the villain in the Nolan in the last film of the Nolan trilogy, 
fans couldn't be more excited. Um, with Nolan's flair from gritty superhero realism, it was a chance to see the iconic Nightfall storyline play out in dramatic fashion. Considering the first time Bane appeared on screen was in Schumacher's Batman and Robin, it wasn't exactly a tough act to follow. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only, so as for Nolan's Dark Knight Rises, the only moment from the comics that made it into the movie was Bane's signature backbreaking move. After that, the plot loses any semblance of cohesion. Bruce is crippled, left behind in prison, and conveniently finds a doctor who punches the spine back into place. Mm. Yeah, that was a little weird. Yeah. So what were you going to say, Brett? I think it's part of it is kind of like a, what the nerds did with Star Wars. They had this idea of what they wanted the story to be in. When it wasn't, they got they got kind of mad. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but I don't I think, think that, there was as much outcry then. It's just people were more upset over, really, that's how Bane's going to sound? This is how Bane's going to look? It's It, yeah. it wasn't the Bane we were all expecting. Mm. I'm not just talking about their nightfall. Oh. Yeah. As soon as you knew Bane was coming, you knew it was going to happen. And I don't think they had that much time to fit in a movie to have that whole nightfall. Yeah. Thing have him in training for months and going to Shiva and getting trained back again so he could go back yeah. out. Yeah. Do that. Now, uh, number five, they say, is a lack of detective work. Mm. Uh, throughout his history, especially in the comics, Batman is often referred to as the world's greatest detective. Uh, of course, we also hear that in the in the cartoons as well, with Raj Ghul calling him the world's greatest detective. Uh, in past films, Batman solved puzzles presented by Edward Nigma um, and other goodies like that. While the theme wasn't played heavily in the early movies, it was demonstrated a little bit. They at least demonstrated a little bit of uh, Bruce's intelligence. In the trilogy, though, however, they hardly bothered with the detective work. Um, in Batman Begins, Bruce didn't figure out Raja Ra's scheme until the end. In The Dark Knight, he attempts to deduce the Joker's identity and fails, and then simply hits Joker repeatedly until the villain reveals Rachel's location. Finally, despite being Batman, he doesn't figure out Miranda Tate's real identity in Dark Knight Rises until after the fact. So, Nolan kind of failed on making him a detective and more of a brutal vigilante. So, number four, the Batcave. The Batcave is Batman's home away from home. Better yet, it says it is his home. When Batman's not jumping around rooftop to rooftop, uh, he's investigating murders, mysteries in the confines of the Batcave. Uh, he spends so much time in the Batcave that Alfred has tried to pry Bruce away from the Bat computer so he can get a couple hours of sleep. Uh, in several Batman movies, we've seen Batman spend ample time in the Batcave, but in Nolan's trilogy, it's almost like the Batcave exists solely to appease Batman's fans. Batman hardly spends any significant amount of time in the Batcave, but might be because, as stated in Batman Begins, it's really not finished yet. In the Dark Knight, it's being rebuilt as he, and he uses a garage under a construction site in the Dark Knight Rises as it barely appears. So we don't see a lot of the Batcave. I don't even think we see it in the new and the Batman vs. Superman or Justice League either. Because no. it got destroyed. Uh, number three, Gotham City. Um, Gotham City is very gothic. Uh, Christopher Nolan's Gotham City is, mass- is a massive departure from what Gotham ought to look like. To the casual observer, it looks nothing like Gotham, just another metropolitan city. 
Uh, Batman likes hanging out on on gargoyles, but where are the gargoyles? Where are the shadows waiting around every corner that often suggests the danger or malcontent? At the end of the day, no one seemed perfectly satisfied turning Gotham City into Chicago and then taking a break for lunch. <laughs> wow, somebody's got a chip on their shoulder, huh? Yep. Uh, number two, Batman's love interests. One aspect of Batman's long story, comic book history, is... Uh, he has the constant attention of assortment of significant others who have come and gone in his life. No matter the women, they have impacted Batman in different but equally meaningful ways. One of the reasons why it's excited to see Catwoman and Talia Ghul battle it out over Batman in recent comics. You got a sense as to what each woman brought to the table for Batman and what he in turn means to them. Earlier films tried to replicate Batman's loves, but were hampered by changing actors, directorial visions, and whatnot. The Dark Knight trilogy had plenty of time to introduce romance into Bruce's life. Unfortunately, it stuck with the uninteresting Rachel Dawes for a movie and a half after her story ended. The trilogy tried using Selina Kyle to equal to equally unexciting results. How many girlfriends has Batman really had in 70-something years or whatever? You can remember, I mean, before Catwoman, I can't remember the last woman he had a romantic interest with. And how how big of a part does that really, you know, it doesn't, I don't want to see, I don't want to, I'm not watching a Batman movie to see his love interests. If you want that, go watch Amazing Spider-Man. Ew. (laughs) Those are chick flicks with superheroes in it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, setting the tone for the DCEU. When Man of Steel debuted in 2013, comic book fans were ecstatic that they were going to be getting a DC Extended Universe. Then they saw the movie. <laughs> that would lead many saying that the DCEU was too dark and grim. Uh, many are happy to point out that the lighthearted Marvel Cinematic Universe, considering, considering it the standard of superhero filmmaking... DC suffered from it from taking itself too seriously. However, we see why DC and Warner Brothers chose to take that specific approach. Moviegoers glorified the Dark Knight trilogy, making the films some of the highest-grossing titles in history. DC hoped to capitalize on the success, applying the same formula to Superman, the Justice League, and everyone else. Warner Brothers misinterpreted the love audiences felt with Batman and automatically assumed the same thing would work for every hero. It didn't, and it doesn't. Right. And again, with with Batman, or with the Dark Knight trilogy, I mean, we know right away, it's going to be a darker set of films. It's going to be from a darker time period of the Batman history. Yeah, with with Batman, you want the darkness, but with not with Superman. But when, but when you're starting to come in with this whole new DCEU, sorry, I think you could keep Batman dark a little bit, but I don't think you could take him as far as the Nolanverse took him. Mm-hmm. And I think you need to lighten up the whole, one, brighten up the whole look of the series. So that's all I got for that. Um, All my issues about uh, Ben Affleck's Batman, I think he plays a really good uh, Bruce Wayne. I liked liked his, I liked Affleck's Batman. Uh, I liked his Wayne. I think, I think he's had some cheesy moments, but that's the script, not him. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it'll be interesting to see whether, where they go in the new Batman movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously it's not Affleck. You said he was going to be doing it. 
No, I think they're saying someone else doing it. Directing it? I thought he was still going to act in it, though. Mm, I'm checking. I don't remember TV the last. Now. I don't remember the last thing because I know it's been back and forth. And oh, okay. So according to IMDb, stars Ben Affleck, Joe Mangiello, J.K. Simmons, uh, Jeremy Irons. But there's, but there's nothing saying when this is coming out. But I could have sworn. Of course, this information is updated in 2016. Um, trying to see what information there may be on Wikipedia. I don't even know anymore. I don't think there. Yeah, it, it's it's getting silly. I see the Batman, but uh, I see the Batman. Talking about the cartoon series, which was a great series. Yeah, I watched that on uh, Netflix. It was good. Um, yeah, I'm not. How am I going to find this Batman? And is Wikipedia going to be any more correct than IMDb? <laughs> I know, right? Potentially. Yeah, uh, they're they're listing the '66 film, the '89 film series, and the movie serials. They don't even list. Wow, well, let's go to the main article: the Dark Knight trilogy. Wow, that was a long 2005, 2008, 2012. Uh, DC Extended Universe. There we go. The Batman. Uh, uh, here I have a thing, uh, an article. Uh, now that there's rumors about Jake Gyllenhaal taking over as Batman. Yeah. Uh, on February 10th, 2017, it was announced Matt Reeves was in talks to replace Batman, uh, Affleck as the director of the film. However, on February 17th, it was reported talks broke down. Two weeks later, Reeves officially signed on to direct and co-produce the film. Um, production was delayed until 2018 as Reeves was tied up in production on, in post-production for War for the Planet of the Apes. Uh... The Batman is being rewritten to allow Reeves more creative freedom as director. So I guess Affleck's still going to be a part of it, just not directing. But, as you said, Jake Gyllenhaal possibly involved as well. So, who knows? <laughs> I don't even think DC knows at this moment. I don't think they do either. So. Yes, we will wait. and We will be on top of it. Yep. Um, yep. So, uh... Before we wrap up, any final thoughts? I have one thought. I want to say happy birthday to uh, uh, <laughs> James, <laughs> James Earl Jones. Wow. Had to save brain fart there. Wow. And Betty White, actually. Yes, 96. Holy cow. Yeah. yeah. Still going strong. Cool. Any other final thoughts? I think Derek used ours. I had enough trouble getting that thought out. <laughs> uh, only fitting for the re- for the way the night has gone, internet wise. Mm-hmm. Well, until next time. Want to know more? So, um. The bad crowd you've been hanging out with is a science fiction club? This has been a Weeby Geeks production. <laughs>